Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Hello, Hockey World. It's Tuesday, November 2nd, 2016. I'm Michael Agello, and I have breaking news. Beaver, 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 beaver. That's all, folks. I'm Russ Cohen. When news breaks, we fix it. I am Eklund, <laughs> and you're watching the Hockey Buzzcast on HockeyBuzz.com. We think. You're watching it somewhere. Um, and it's out uh, there. We're up to 21 viewers, so yeah. Woo! It comes to you every yes! Monday through Friday. And, um, you know, whether it's 20 viewers or 10,000, we don't care. We just want to get this out because we've had issues. And it comes to you every Monday through Friday, Google willing. We, um, we, we, have a, we have a trade. We have a trade. We have a trade. Word. We go ahead. The Pittsburgh Penguins have traded goaltender Mike Condon to... The I know Boston. this. I know this one. Boston. The Ottawa Senators. Yeah. <laughs> yes. For a for a draft pick. Okay. Now that I would assume that that means obviously with the situation we that we talked about that nobody heard about uh, with yeah. Craig Anderson, yeah. um, that they're you know they they they're going to give Anderson some time, yeah, on the team for a little while, um, and Condon obviously played. Over 50 games with the Canadians last year. What's Matt the, O'Con- do they say what the draft pick is? They just it just said a draft pick. It didn't okay. say didn't specify what. what well, good. I mean, it's good. It's it's you know I know Pittsburgh and Boston's going to be ticked because Boston's been trying to get him um, from Pittsburgh for a while, and um, they and Pittsburgh you know knew that if they put them on waivers, Boston would grab him. That was something we were we know they were so they couldn't put him on waivers. They so, were so am I to assume LA thinks that they're in good shape with Budai and company? Apparently. You know, um, wrong about, but okay. I mean, uh, again, though, I will bring this up. Goalies can't score, but if you have the right goalie in there, it might give the team more confidence to score. And I think that's the problem with the Kings. Because I think that is the case. And and the Kings were, you know, the Kings had a tough game last night, but they've they haven't they've managed to weather the storm pretty well. I mean, we all kind of said that. I think with the Kings was that if they could stay around five hundred, yes, nothing quick. They'd be okay because when Quick came back, he would do he would do the Jonathan Quick thing in all likelihood and and win you know ten games in a row or something like that and just take them about take them take them into the playoffs. But that is the feeling at least, right? So whether or not that happens, of course, is another story. But I think that this is a good move by Ottawa and you know Ottawa who you know goes into Edmonton and beats Edmonton. I mean, just Ottawa continues to play play really good hockey. Um, they do, and I, I I give Pierre Dorian a lot of credit. He He's scouted a lot of these guys. He's brought them through the system. It's early in the year, though. We do have to stress it's still think, early. You know, obviously, uh, you know, it may not um, – Yes, their coach, right? Boucher? Yes, Boucher. Yeah. Why, why does that sound wrong to me? Boucher. I'm thinking, why is it – I know his name's Boucher. I'm like, why is why it sounds wrong to me? So anyway, th- sorry. So many technical issues. I'm totally out of my – this, this is a bad, a bad karma day. That's I could fit this helmet on my head, which we proved I can't. I would. All right. We should wear my mad hat or hat. Um, all right. So, <laughs> anyway. All right. So, Boucher, we have proven, I, like I said, a Guy Boucher. Thank you. 
is is um I know my coaches is <laughs> is there's thirty of them. Um, it's a lot to know. It's a lot to know. A lot to remember. Thirty coaches. Who's the coach of Las Vegas? No one. <laughs> I know that. That's a scoop. No one. Um, they're gonna they're gonna be self ta- self taught that team. Oh, okay. So, <laughs> They're going to do in home. They're, they're going to homeschool. Homeschool. Home hockey school. <laughs> yes. Um, but anyway, that's what you do. The Islanders are down 4 nothing. just so for the live updates. Are they really? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Anyway, so, so, so I, I want to talk about something. I, I appreciate I, I want to talk about something else. Okay. So yeah, let, me, let, me, let me just, let me just, the funny thing is, that, I mean, this is, it's a, it's, it's an understandable move for Ottawa, but it's yeah. a strange move because that, I mean, I, they were one of the teams that needed the goaltender, but I, I, I argue of the, of the three that had both of their goalies out, they were the one I thought that were least yeah. likely to go out and get the goaltender. I mean, because- Hamburglar really was just a flash in the pan. I mean, is this what we're looking at now? Say that again. I'm sorry, Mr. Hammond. I mean, Mr. Hammond, right? He yes, he was he a flash in the He's a backup goaltender, but in, but mean, so is, so the is fact that they're not even willing to go. I mean, he was just two years ago. He he was unbelievable. Got everybody got them in the playoffs. Now yeah, they're they not broke, willing to give him the. They rode the hot hand, and then, that's understandable. But then, and they gave him, but the contract that they gave him was basically a backup goaltender contract. Right. Right. No, and it, that's a good backup contract. Yeah, he's a he's a fine backup, but that that was lightning in a bottle for him. All right, so I want to talk about last night's Edmonton-Toronto game, okay? Because that was the game of the night, and I watched it, you know, and it was fascinating. Now, I have watched Edmonton a lot this year. I have not watched Toronto as much. Everybody everybody in the States watched. I don't know. They didn't. All right, sorry. No, could. And I don't know. This, this is one of those ridiculous things. Like, this, should, this game should have been on TV. But This should have been on the NBC game. I'm sorry. Yeah. Instead, what did they say? Uh, it was the, uh, the Islanders-Tampa. Right, which was a blowout. But anyway – Anyway, so let's um, but let, let's let's let the Islanders, you know, and the Islanders just blew out somebody. I mean, they're, they're really crazy scores. Really, like last night's last night's Rangers St. Louis score is baffling. But and you know, even more so, Hitchcock coming out of the press conference just before we get to the other one. Hitchcock comes out of the press conference last night and says that this game was not because his team played poorly; they lost five nothing. And that for Hitchcock not to say that this is not because his team played poorly is really something. When you lose five nothing, he said, "This is because the Rangers are an elite team, and you have to be careful. They are that good." That was something because I mean, Ken Hitchcock. I don't ever. He doesn't say stuff like that just just out of the blue. So the, this has to make everybody look at the Rangers a little differently. Like this is this for Hitchcock. Well, saying, I think you should, but I think you should still look at um, Jake Allen the same way because a couple yeah. of goals were were not his fault, but he never stops the bleeding. This is the problem I have with Jake Allen is. In yeah, a game I agree. Where not when huh? When you get shut out, you can't do that to the goalie. I agree with you, but they didn't. No, no, but but there, but he could get shut out and lose two nothing. It didn't need to be five nothing. Not every shot was a perfect shot. I'm just saying this is a problem where if not everything's perfect, Jake Allen is not perfect, and that's mm-hmm. still the problem with the with the Blues Stanley Cup hopes. That's all I'm saying. Right. No, I true. Do now so. So getting back to the game, I really want to talk about because we are yeah. we're going to, <laughs> we still have a good half hour, so we're pretty good. All right, so here we go. So, despite all the delays in the beginning, and despite little sidetracks like this one I'm taking right now, um, we are with with Edmonton, Toronto, looking at like in my opinion, what could be the Stanley Cup Finals in four or five years. I mean, we're looking at two teams that are that good, that have that much going for them, but it's fascinating how they are being run. 
Um, and how, and you saw it last night, you saw the two different coaching styles. You saw the completeness of, okay, now Connor McDavid, correct me if I'm wrong. And, and Austin Matthews are how far apart in age? Less than a year. Less than a year. Right? Like right. Nine months, I think, or something like that. Yeah, something like that. So yeah. they're nine months apart. Now, granted, McDavid played a whole year in the NHL last year. And, and you know, so that, that gives – but not a whole year. He played like he played like half a year because he was hurt. I thought you were going to have a scoop and say that they were related somehow. I'm glad we didn't go there. Okay. Yes. No, they, they, they look and act and talk, and they, are, they could not be more different. Um, they have completely different attitudes about things. And they're, neither is right or wrong. It's just totally – like McDavid is very serious. I mean, no, McDavid is very McDavid, no, sorry, Matthews is very serious about everything. Yes, Matthews is McDavid is is a lot more up, you know, upbeat. But anyway, so Matthews called him. Um, McDavid called Matthews a good kid, but he's only nine months older. That's what I'm I mean, it's like there's not, and every it, it always appears like there's this big difference. So watching the game last night, you see a team in Edmonton that has been trying to be good for a very long time and has not been good. Um, and you see a team in Toronto that is trying to be bad for a very long time and is finally good um, or half decent. No, 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 no. What I'm saying is that there's different expectations on these teams. Okay, Edmonton cannot fail. Okay, like Edmonton, right? And I put them in the playoffs. You know, as earlier this year, as in the brilliant move that I did, I was putting them there because they, th- this new arena and their owner and the pressure that's on that team. This team cannot sit back and leave their starting player on the bench in the beginning of a game. Like they cannot leave McDavid sitting on the, sitting on the sideline. Like the Maple Leafs can leave Matthews sitting on the sideline. Right. And you see that all throughout, like McDavid played what six or seven more minutes than Matthews last night. I mean that. And then the craziest thing to me was, okay, the game was all Nazem Kadri. I mean, that was, that was the Nazem Kadri show. I mean, he was phenomenal. I thought. Um, he was. Oh, he was great. He comes out. Although let's, let's be, let's the oh. first minute of the game. Okay. He takes down McDavid on what is an unbelievably blatant interference call that no one seemed to, no one seemed to mention. Right. I mean, and I mean, he McDavid doesn't touch the puck; he's nowhere near it. Kadri dumps him like within the first thirty seconds of the game, and it sets a tone for the game. And it's, it did. It set a Sean Avery kind of tone. Right. Well, but it was I mean, such an illegal hit. I was shocked well, that it wasn't. It, 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 this is this is this is the thing. I mean, Nazem Kadri has written the book at least early in his career of how to neutralize Connor McDavid, and that is. Yeah. You have to get physical with him, and you have to get in his kitchen. You have to annoy yeah. him. And he did that effectively. I mean, Nazem Kadri is a very annoying player for some of his own fans and for, you know, the yeah, – well, All the main players are that way, you know. Right. But but the thing the thing is, is what he did, and he was very very effective. He was the first star last night, and, and justifiably so. You know, he hit McDavid really hard two or three times. Yeah. You know, he posed a little bit of an offensive threat against him, and McDavid's defensive game is basically his offense. He's not—he's a good positional player, but he's not. I don't think he's strong enough to be. He's not strong enough yet. Right, he's not strong enough to be a two-way player right now in this league. He relies on his speed and his reaction time and his anticipation yeah. to be able to be a good defensive player. And Kadri is an older player, more more experienced, more physically mature, and he used that physical maturity and his experience to his advantage. You know, Matthews, I thought of the two, had the better night. Matthews had better chances. Mm-hmm. He was coming back on on on, uh, on plays and covering for other players. He plays a more well-rounded game. He's just not going to be as much of an offensive catalyst as McDavid was. But well, he, he can't be when he's playing. The, 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 my point is, like, he, 
the one mo- the one moment when that line, okay, yeah, it's not just Nylander, by the way, it's that line, okay, it's that I'm talking about that whole line, like Matthews. It's not just Matthews. I mean, it's Matthews and Nylander that need more ice time because and Zach Hyman who plays a pretty big role in that. Right. Game. So they need more ice time because the only time last night he was obviously keeping him away from McDavid because Matthews yeah. is not the greatest defensive player either, right? So you're putting Kadri with him. You're gonna do that. The only time they matched them was when. The only time he matched them was the beginning of the third period when they put them both out there for the faceoff. They come out there, and Matthews and Nylander dominate the first 45 seconds of the third period, get like four or five glorious chances on goal, and never again go against. But that was not the type of game that Babcock wanted to play. I talked to so I talked to somebody before before the game, and uh, they, they were saying, I'm so excited for this to be a 5-4 wide-open game. <laughs> And I said, Babcock is not going to let that happen. He doesn't want no, this to be a show. No. He wants this team to play the way he wants them to wants them to play. And if you put Matthews up against McDavid, it was going to be a track meet. That's why he put Nazem Kadri against right. McDavid and said, get in his kitchen. And he did. And that's the only way that I think Toronto would win that game. And, and there, by there the way, were a couple things. Yeah, a couple of interesting things. First one was in one of the breaks when they were going over um, – Tape. I very rarely watch in-game stuff for out of market, but for some reason I was. And Dave Poulin was talking, former Flyer captain, and 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 you know he was a good coach for Notre Dame in the NCAA. Really good coach. Um, he was blown away at the stick strength of Austin Matthews. He was like, you know, that's something that you only used to see in veterans. And and this is where again, I wish some members of the media would brush up on their skills, right. and realize this guy played in a men's league, yeah. he's not your average rookie, right. and most of the rookies don't go with that anymore. Look at Jacob Chikrin. It used to be all rookies were skinny. They're going to grow into their bodies. They're not strong enough, yada, yada, yada. That isn't the case anymore. It's really a case-by-case basis now. No, and I, that's a great point, and I think that – and I think Mike, you made a great point too um, because there's no question that this is the game that Babcock wanted to play. Um, and you know, that he wants to, and that, that he is, and what I'm trying to say is that is the, to me, the fast, I don't think there's that big of a difference between these two teams as far as their abilities. I mean, and, and I really, but I think, I think they're both very good. Edmonton, I well, think. that's damning for Edmonton then, because well, no, basically. I think that Austin Matthews and Nylander are that good. And I think that, and I think that they've really, that they, that they have, you're right. I mean, Edmonton is ahead of them. Okay. Well, I shouldn't say that there's not a big difference, but there's not as big of a difference as people think. I, 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 I think there's a – I think – I'll disagree here, Ak. I think there's a dramatic difference right now because in spite of the fact that we slayed them for the trade of Ad, for of Taylor Hall for Adam Larson, um, you know, Edmonton finally did what they needed to do. They, you know, they've got Clefbaum, they've got Larson, they've got Chris Russell. They, just yeah, let me finish. Yeah, go ahead, finish Yeah, they, 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 they – you know, it's not a great defense, but it's a, a reasonable defense. I think they need to upgrade dramatically if they want to be a, a real Stanley Cup contender. But at least it's passable now, and you're not having. Oh yeah, no, I totally agree. And Larson's been getting, Larson's Reinhardt been, getting walked around uh, on on the blue right, now Larson's really been very strong. Yeah. And but what I will tell you is this: why I think that why I still will be critical of the Taylor Hall for Larson trade is is what has happened to Ryan Nugent Hopkins on that team which is that Ryan Nugent Hopkins, I watched him, you know, we talked about this, the World Cup, right? We watched him on that team, and we saw the Ryan Nugent Hopkins that we know, if he was playing on another team, would be dynamic and fantastic. And as a top-line guy, could really be something special. He is the third-line player on their on this Edmonds team. 
I see. Second, second power play last night. Right. Um, you know, which I which is strange, but center on the second power play and playing more of a responsible two way game. And I believe he has four points. Right. Right. And he's and he's doing now, but but saying that, remember, they came this close to getting Seth Jones for him. Okay. Right. Now that's where I go with the Taylor Hall and Larson trade. All right, if you have, if you knew that you, if you were this close to getting Seth Jones for Ryan Nugent Hopkins, why couldn't you have gotten Larson for Ryan Nugent Hopkins? You know, or and why couldn't or or somebody else like that that would have done so? Like Larson, there's no question he's better than they needed him. He's he saw we've always liked him. He was kind of misplayed yeah. in New Jersey. He was under he was underrated. He's better than people in Edmonton thought he was that was going to be. But we kind of knew that because we saw we've seen him a couple times. He's had a couple big games against the Flyers live that I've seen where I've been like, wow, Larson, he's a heck, of, he's a good player, but. You know, when you look at what they gave up still, you know, they gave up way too much. And especially when given the fact that Ryan Nugent Hopkins is completely insignificant to them. Like, And I'm not arguing that point. I think you're, what you're saying is, is completely valid. But what, I, what I'm saying between the comparisons of the two teams, at least Edmonton has a reasonable defense now. And, right. you know. Now- that's a great point. In spite, in spite of the, in spite of the fact that I think they got robbed on the Hall deal and I, they gave away Yakupov for nothing, you know, they have enough talent that they built over, built up over the last couple of years, um, that they're able to score and and play playing at the level. I'm not convinced that they're going to be a playoff team, but they're playing a lot better. Toronto is still in the midst of, you know, moving out players. I think you know guys like Bozak and Van Riemsdyk in the next couple of years will probably be moved out. You know, the the kids are getting experience. Their defense is horrific. horrific. No, their defense is terrible, and their goaltending is not much better right now. Well, Anderson played great last night. Yeah, he had a good game. He had one bad moment. That's I right. think he played great last night. I mean, that's a lot to say. Well, he had one bad moment. He did. Yeah, there were two posts that were at that were like crazy. I mean, that yeah. were, that would have been bad goals if either went in. Edmonton had 46 shots and he made a oh, no, he, I mean, Yeah, and there were – but like you said, it's interesting that they had 46 shots and yet we can sit there and say McDavid had not much of a game. And that's actually true because McDavid yeah. really wasn't – it wasn't like he was stoning McDavid left and right. I, I watched mainly that game, and I, but I was watching the World Series and the Rangers too. And I will say that McDavid – I only saw him turn the corner and get away with it a couple of times. Yeah, I remember. There was one good adjustment that Toronto made the game and I couldn't quite put my finger on it because I was switching around. And that was um, Babcock started playing Morgan Riley more and Marinson less on that top pairing because he saw that it was eroding quickly. Yeah, he switched it. He, he early in the game, or maybe it was throughout the game. It was Riley and Zaitsev. It was right. Marinson, Marinson was on the bottom pairing with Connor Carrick, where he where he really belongs. Yeah, but 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 and that and that's the thing. It's like that was a key that really stuck. Connor Carrick had a good game. Yes, Connor yeah. Carrick can pass. He showed it. But that really did stymie the uh, the offense of Edmonton when they did that. It, it that was at least a decent defensive pairing that, and they played them a lot. But here's a warning sign for Edmonton, and I think you know Connor McDavid is 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 a great player and is going to be great, barring any kind of injury problems yeah. throughout his career. But the thing is, right now, and what was illustrated by what happened last night with with him being isolated on Kadri, a couple times when Kadri did some things after the whistle, McDavid didn't respond. He didn't slash back. He didn't do anything. He had to have Milan Lucic come back and talk to Kadri and threaten to squash him like a bug. And you know what? You've got to fight your own battles. Sidney Crosby is wicked with his stick. 
and we'll fight back. And that's the thing. That's going to take a couple years for McDavid. Different to era now. It's not the Wayne Gretzky. That also is not, you know, and yeah, you know, and and Crosby wasn't always as this good either. I mean, Crosby's gotten better. No, no, no. But he was always this chippy. I mean, game one. He's a chippy player. Yeah, he's a different kind of player. Game one, he was getting beat up by Darian Hatcher and had a bloody face and still scored a goal. And then shortly after that, he started fighting back at the rest of the league, if you remember. Yeah, I know. Crosby's a very unique case as far as superstars go. Like, he is not. And after the the game, and he won't get criticized too much for it, but it was notable. McDavid was a little sour about how, you know – Kadri wasn't called for a penalty on this, and you know, especially yeah, yeah, you really know you're right, and I saw that too, and I thought it was, I thought it was honestly, it was, a, it was a rare sign of immaturity that you saw from him, actually, like where he was completely frustrated. It, it was, it was a, it wasn't that play itself because that play itself, there was nothing that really happened on that play that you could call, but it was a frustration of a night long of getting, getting hooked at and pulled at, and yeah. I think especially the first one, and like I said, the first thirty seconds of the game because that was just, that was just brutal and. There were some, you know, and Kadri got away with it. Kadri, and then Kadri got a call that really shouldn't have been called for with the dive. I was, well, I, and, I, and as I, I said on Twitter dur- during the game, there is the end result of the Greg Luganis type of diving that Kadri has done over the right, right. He's got a reputation. Oh. Because he was actually penalized. He, he was actually yeah. interfered with on that call. But yeah. because of his record. I want to this out for a second. I just texted that the Bruins were hoping that Condon would be put on waivers. Um, they, were, they were waiting his out. Um, and they, you know, the Penguins were kind of like, they kind of played the Penguins bluff. The Penguins were saying that we have another place to put him, you know, another team that'll take him. That's so waivers, and the Bruins were waiting and this has been going on for like a week. And then finally the, you know, finally it actually happened. Can, they, I, can, I, can I go down the road here that, that, that I mean, uh, uh, Malcolm Subban, uh, did not play well in his side. I know he's a young kid, but the Bruins may be starting to lose a little bit of confidence in him because you know, I, the first time he came up was a was a showcase. He didn't do well. He comes up in this situation where they need him, where Rask is out, where Kudobin is out, and he doesn't do well again. That you know, th- them being in on Condon is sort of an admission that they have no confidence in Malcolm Subban right now. I think they're losing some confidence, but I think he's still there, so they have to have some confidence in him. Well, I will share a rumor that I wasn't going to share yet involving Subban, Malcolm Subban, because I um, but I, I can I was going to write about it tomorrow and I will write more about it tomorrow as well is that the um, predators are very much after Malcolm Subban and I'm not, I'm not surprised by this at all. Like the, it, it fits with the predators pattern um, of what they like to do. They really like to build this kind of environment and they feel as if, you know, Pekka Rene is getting up there, you know, and he's getting, he's, he's having issues and they have some other goalies in their system that they like, but you yeah, see Saros is pretty good. Yeah, no, he's very good. But the feeling is, you know, that Malcolm Subban, if you get him with PK, and give the confidence to you know bring them together. That adds that adds more to like the, what the, pre- the kind of environment the predators like to have. So I can see that very much happening. So and- let's switch gears though, because I think the biggest story right now in the NHL or the emerging one is the one we talked about a lot in the off season. And it's a shame Dan's not here because he tried to push yeah. it off. But the Islanders without Franz Nielsen and Kyle Ocposo are suffering. Yeah. Andrew Ladd has one point in ten games. And he's a minus three. Yeah, yeah. This, I mean, that's no, that's a big, big story, and and it was, it was, it was predictable because yeah, it, it, it is predictable. It's what it's weird to me that sometimes when teams don't kind of do their homework on players, like um, 
Lad with Lad is has has a you know has won in places. He, he you know won two Stanley Cups with two different teams. He's got history. But um, when you talk to people in Winnipeg last year about him at the trade deadline, yeah. no one could wait to get rid of him. I mean, it was like they said, yeah, he's really just lost it, you know. And then he signs this huge contract on the island. I mean, it was hard to imagine that they didn't talk to somebody in Winnipeg. You know, we're in a different era now where like adding winners makes the difference like what the Rangers did. And they went one step too far too in 94. They did and, and traded too many players. Yeah. But, you know, you don't add like a Brian Noonan anymore to your roster because he's won if he can't really do things for you on the ice. And Andrew right. Land's limited as to what he could actually do on the ice. Right. right. I agree with that. And I think that, I mean, I would have kept Nielsen somehow and not. That's the one that I was more upset about. But still, I kept saying about Ocposo, he had 60 or 65 points. And Dan kept saying they were bad points. And I'm like, okay, but now who's going to score them? And that's what the we, – that was the crux of our argument. You're right. We're going to get this point. Ocposo has a, his, has a reputation – had a reputation or whatever, for whatever reason, of being like a – a tough guy to be around. Like there, there's stuff that you hear like that. They just, and you know, I don't, I hate this, that, that it's, as a gossipy way, but I know this is also, this also affected when I talked to the team USA about why he wasn't a part of that team. There was things that, you know, so the Islanders, I think sort of cut bait, but at the end of the day, okay, we were just talking about another player, Nazem Kadre, tough player to be around the tough guy, to be around, another guy that people can't stand, but you know what? <laughs> if you produce, sometimes you have to deal with some of those players and, yeah. To me, that's where the Islanders were missing. You know, they, especially if you find somebody who does. Well, Mike Keenan was a tough coach to be around, but he won sometimes. Yeah, and you know, and Claude Lemieux, no one could stand him on any. You know, if you were, right. you were not on his team, but he would always manage to win games for you. This is the um, the Islanders just letting those two guys go, and also letting Matt Martin go too to the to the league. Yeah, that's another one too. Now, I didn't know how much that would affect him, but clearly that has affected him as well. It hasn't been a real positive for the Leafs. But it, it was a negative for the Islanders. There's, there's no question. And I, it, I, I actually think Matt Martin has been a positive for the Leafs. Okay. But simply because you know that if you hit somebody on that team, you're going to deal with Matt Martin one way or the other. And I okay. think, I mean, right, right now, you get more for the Islanders than the Leafs. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I mean, well, but uh, right that that fourth line unit of him, Sezikis and and Clutterbuck was very effective. But yeah. the fun thing is, and and the, even if the fourth line is productive right now in Toronto, it's not going to matter because Toronto is not going to be a playoff team for a year or two. But right. that that camaraderie that he uh, and and that you know the team ethic that he brings, I think, is valuable and something a year or two down the line is going to re- be really beneficial for for the Leafs. Yeah. By, by the way, Opozo is second on the on the Sabers with seven points, and the Sabers have won th- I think it's three games in a row, and that's without Eichel that's and without, and without Kane. Yeah, and he's going to get more points than Andrew Ladd. Yeah, he's going to get more points than Andrew Ladd. That was my basic point with with Dan the whole time was, okay, you don't like Ocposo, but you have to replace the points. They didn't do it. And all this starts to lead to like, okay, you know, and he can't help but lead to Tavares' happiness in in the island. Now it does sort of lead to that because – And as much as I know Tavares wants to stay an Islander and he's a great guy and that's, that's that's his dream to stay. He loves it. He loves it there this team is heading the wrong way. Like, and you know, it's one thing for Stamkos to stay with Tampa, which is like a, an obvious Stanley cup contender for the next five years. Right. Yeah. So this is a different situation. And, you know, until that, you know, the Islanders well, would be smart to get that thing done now. It's, it's not, it's not, it's not only the composition of the team. It's, it's what's going on with the building too, the ice right, problem. The issues, 
Not like all, all, all these things add up. Now the now you know obviously I've I've been in the in the in you know a complete opposite of what I was in terms of Stamkos in Toronto. Uh, I don't think there's a chance of Tavares going to Toronto, but if that situation in Brooklyn just decompensates, and if you know, they made the wrong moves, and the goaltending is not that—I mean, I, I'm not a big fan of Halak and Grice, but they—they they played well over over the last while. But you know, now they're trying to trade Halak. Their defense is pretty decent, but they have no wingers for Tavares. They have a lot of youngsters coming in. It's not exactly a settled situation with that team. It's not inconceivable that Tavares would bail on that in a year and a half. It's not impossible. I mean, and, and, and I don't want that to be the case because I think that I like him on the island and I think that that yeah, – and the Islanders could still get together. And a lot of this is the culture thing that Garth Snow wants to create, right? Like he has this he has this vision of the kind of players he wants around. So he has – and he's always had that vision. And he's been the GM for a very long time. So when you put that into play, I mean, he's he's got to be one of the senior GMs in the NHL, right? And he's got to be one of the top – I mean, I don't think, I don't think there, there are 10 guys that have been around longer than him, right? So when you think about it, He's been around a long time, so this is very much his team. These are his prospects. This is his whole. This is his whole deal. So he's responsible for everything that's going on in the island right now. Yeah, except Jap Capriano is probably in the hottest seat in the league right now. Right, that, 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 that that's his, that's his escape vehicle right there. If you know, right now I believe they're four and six. If they continue this for another ten to fifteen games. The first easy move is to fire Capuano. It's not going to be a ref- it's not going to be a reflexive trade to to uh, to improve the roster. It's going to be firing Capuano and bringing in somebody else. And I don't know who that would that would be. You know, could that's be- the problem right now. There's not really like a guy that you would necessarily. I mean, you have to go off the board a little bit to get somebody. There's not somebody that you really. I mean, yeah, you might have to go off the board, but that's okay. I mean, there's always guys out there. Okay. You know, um, yeah, I think I, the Islanders are the are. Big story. Um, Jimmy Vesey's become a big story too. He can yes. I really wish Dan was here. Now we talked about this the other day. I'll mention it again because our show didn't really happen the other day. So <laughs> when Vesey had his five goals, he only has one more goal. He had five goals in eight games. The Rangers put up a list of guys who had that. Darren Turcott was one of them. Daniel right. Gano was another one. The interesting thing about Daniel Gano was when I looked further because I knew Daniel Gano did not have a good NHL career. He only scored seven more goals in his career, five more that season. So a couple of years ago also, if you remember, um, the Rangers had – they were in sort of the same situation with Lindbergh, and he was looking like – Oscar Lindbergh was looking like he was a Calder guy. I think he had 10 goals early on and then didn't end up with that many more for the rest of the season. So I'm not saying that's going to happen to VC. I'm just going to say he's getting a lot of them now. Things will turn around for him a little bit against him. That's just the way hockey goes. But he's playing great. Like, he is playing like an NHL player, which is all we ever argued that he was. And the argument was really media-driven as to the hype. He didn't create the hype. He's not even creating the hype now. You don't hear boo out of Jimmy VC. No, you don't. But what you should think about is maybe him as a future general manager. If he picked this team, he picked the right team to go to for him. I mean, that, that's the weird thing. I mean, like, you know, that's not easy to do. I mean, just no. up there. And, you know, decide – we kind of surprised us all with the team he picked, but he picked the yeah. right – he picked the team that would give him the best opportunity to play in the right positions and the right yeah. – the right line mates. He's really kind of like saving Rick Nash's career right now. Yeah. I, mean, well, I, I, I mean, you know, I, I mean, right now the Rangers are way ahead in terms of their 
place in terms of contending for a Stanley Cup than Toronto is, but I would just like to think what BC would be doing right now on the left wing with Matthews and Nylander because that's where he would have been on the, on the Leafs. He'd be I, doing pretty good. Yeah, he'd be doing pretty good. I think so. It's hard to say, you know. I mean, I mean, he's he's really. It's just hard to say. There's so many so many so many variables with that. You know, you throw the third the third guy on a line with Nylander and Matthews is going to have to play a specific kind of role. You know, like. Yeah. He's the Michael Greenberg, you know, the Legion of Doom line. Like, you know, you have to have that right person. I mean, that's not necessarily going to be someone that's going to score five goals like that. No, and and Zach Hyman's got one goal right now, but he's a very effective uh, and annoying player to play against. Right, and he's going into the corners, he's going to the net, and he's creating problems, and that's that's good for the that's good for me. I mean, I you know. I was impressed with the Leafs last night again. Like to, to finish off that. Thought. No, I was. I was too. I, I liked what they what they did. Um, I, I'm still not thrilled with Oscar Kleffbaum watching that game. I'll be honest. He, he yeah. You no, know, I knew he was overpaid. That's fine. I'm moving on from that. But he's not even a top pairing defenseman. He's not. Yeah, well, he struggles a lot. I, I have to say, I was I was a little disappointed in the performance of Puliyarvi. I didn't. You know, I mean. Yeah, I, I didn't notice him a lot. I'll agree with that. Yeah, and, and, and he's in that weird. It's a weird team for him to go to. Like, it's a weird spot. Like, again, it's 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 you know. Like, well, one one of the things that's a little strange that Todd McClellan is doing, Ak, and I, I'm I'm a little surprised at. I'm not surprised that they put Lucic with McDavid, but he's basically got all of his eggs in one basket. He's got Lucic with McDavid and Eberle. Yeah, you should, you should yeah. realistically have Eberle on a second line and have somebody, um, you know. I mean, I don't know who their second line right winger. If it's Zach Cassian, then I understand why they're put why they're putting Zach Cassian, I think. Yeah. And, and, but but you really ha- you really need to spread out your offense a little bit, little bit, and have Nugent Hopkins playing with more skill. Yeah, no, he's a role right now. Like he's he's trade bait. You know, like I think it would help out Leon Drysdale a lot because I don't think Nugent Hopkins is enough to keep him afloat. He's got six points in ten games, but he could be doing more. And I felt like Drysaddle could be doing more even in that game. I put Drysaddle on that top line with Lucic and McDavid is what I would do. I mean, that's honestly who I put there because you need you need a skilled player to play with those guys. Because what's happening now is you're just expecting McDavid to do it by himself, sort of. Right. I mean, these guys are going to pick up garbage goals, but they're not going to pick up. I mean, Everly is a Everly is a, an incredibly skilled player and and you know a gutsy player, but he's not. He's still he still is a garbage goal player like that's yeah like, he'll score on any line you put him on too oh yeah and he'll score anywhere you really don't need him with Nick David it's not yeah. it seems like a kind of wasted, wasted. Drysaddle would make more sense because there would be a lot more flash there and a lot more skill there yeah you need skill and skill and you need somebody who can keep up like Drysaddle is so much faster you know that yes. I think that to keep up with McDavid is tough Lucic isn't keeping up with him now but he's not no. but what he's doing is he's he's creating space for him which is what they needed so that's right. And you know, and he is when someone hits him, you know, Lucic is, and they mention it every time you watch him. Lucic is right there and knocking, you know, knocking, trying to knock Kadri's teeth out, you know, after Kadri bothers McDavid. So that's what's happening. So that's you know, and that's fine, and that's that that's a great role for him to play. Um, you know, but that's and the one other thing, I, I, this is kind of way off the board, I know, but we got to talk a little bit about the Blue Jackets who are playing pretty well, and I mean, they're not killing it right now, but they are slowly but surely this having a better start than they've had in a long time. And, mm-hmm. you know, if they, this is a team that has consistently been very good. The second third, second two thirds of the season, if they can, if they can get a half decent start off the first day, they suddenly become a real factor in the Metro division, which people don't really aren't, aren't thinking of them as they're not thinking of like the blue jackets as a team to beat in the Metro. Well, but you gave, you, you did give John Tortorella another 
premier defenseman, and he is a defensive coach. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's going to help him. I mean, as long as he wasn't going to not give the kid a chance, Zach Wierenski was going to be great. I mean, we all knew that. Yeah, and he, and he is so good. Like, he made a pass last night on one of the goals that was so, you know, skilled that just is like crazy that this kid's a rookie. Like, it came back to him at the point in a normal shot where almost every rookie would throw the puck on that to see what happens. And instead, he he finds a guy in the slot. He passes a guy, passed to a guy in the slot, which is really – it was just bizarre. It's like that was definitely not a shot. It was completely a pass. And the guy's – and some I forget who it was, but someone turns around and scores. Um, and, you know, Wawenski just – Wawenski makes the whole play, you know. He, so and, he's a point of game, and I still would put him ahead of VC in, in the Calder vote if I had to vote today because yeah. it's so much harder to be a young point of game defenseman. It's not even funny. Especially on a team like that, I mean, that's yes. like what, what, a, what a Calder race it's going to be. It's a great I, race. It's like, I, like, I had ten in there, and VC's not even in my preseason ten. I, I may have to reshuffle it, but I knew there was going to be like thirteen. It's crazy. Now oh, last look. year was amazing. This year is even better. I mean, even better. Well, the the one the one thing that's uh, you know because I know that you know the, there has not been a Maple Leaf win to win the Calder since nineteen sixty five. But so. But the but the thing but the thing well yeah but the thing is the fact that you have Marner Nylander, Zaitsev is doing pretty well and Matthews I mean I think the organization will say you know Matthews since he's the first pick overall but if if Nylander puts almost as many points you're going to have votes being divided up from you know people who are in the NHL for these all these leaps and it might allow somebody like Line A or VC or Marinsky to sneak in and win the Calder. Could I mean I think that. I mean, I don't, I don't know. I mean, there's, there, there used to be that if you had like an effective player that was a rookie, he was in the Calder race, and the, now you have to have like a superstar rookie to be in the Calder race. Like, there's, a, there's yeah. plenty of effective rookies out there. Like Travis oh, Konecki yeah. having a really good year, but he's not in the Calder race. You know, it's like, um, you know, he's that. But Travis Konecki could be. I mean, at some point, he could be. Jacob Chikrin's in the race, as far as I'm concerned. Well, how, how about how about this? Austin Matthews led the NHL in scoring. Uh, for most of the month of October, led the NHL in goals for the entire month of October. Did they do the player of the month yet? Is he the player the of the rookie, month? And the rookie of the month was William Nylander because he had one more point. <laughs> but he might be – Matthews could end up being the player of the month, right? Did they go the player of the month yet? No, uh, player of the month was McDavid. McDavid, right. So, yeah, I mean, that, that's, it's just – yeah, that, that makes sense. You know, he should have been. So, this, it's just – it's it's really just an, an unbelievable amount of young talent in the NHL right now. It's fun to watch. And the other thing about the Blue Jackets, watching that little bit of that game this morning, I watched that in replay. Um, what is – what a great signing they made with Sam Gagne. Just throw yep. it out there. Well, it's a low-risk signing. And they, yeah. it, already got three goals. He scores last night to tie the game, to send it to overtime. He's, he's just – you know, and he's he's doing all the things that he did for the Flyers, which is score big times and, and play – I mean, what was arguably the best free agent signing of tw- of the 2015-16 season? It wasn't the it wasn't any of the big deals. It was Lee Stempniak. It was a it was a one year right, right, right. yes exactly. tryout contract who got, and they ended up getting a second round pick and a trade from the Bruins for Lee Stempniak. And so you know Ray Shiro brings this guy in. Sometimes the best free agent signings are the guys who are under the radar who get an opportunity to play. Yeah. Oh yeah. No. And Stepniak, but even Stepniak was at like one point seven five million or something like that. Gagne is eight hundred thousand. Yeah. You know, it's like, and it's just. But he's like, not a real top liner. Let's let's be real about that. Top liner, but. He's he's complete. He's a legitimate second line player, and yes. I, I think in the NHL for eight hundred thousand, I mean that's insane. I mean just like having that kind of you know that for that kind of money. I mean he just really 
and he's he's got a time and it, he's he's timely and it's the skill he's, he's getting paid JF Barubi money. He's got more goals than Ryan Johansson has. Look at it that way. Like no, so- no, I said that I said that <laughs> because of of his agent and of course our show didn't really come out the other I never day. Got into yeah. that whole thing, but and yes. so we we did talk about that. So that's just letting him know I didn't forget. We we sent we sent love and kisses and roses and and chocolates to our good friend Mr. Walsh, who yes. who made a, who made a complete buffoon of himself on social media over the weekend. Yes. No, he didn't because this is the thing. You know, I'll end with this, but he he I agree that you know you can sit there and say that you know in the internet culture and all that stuff, and he's he's like the ugly American. <laughs> but but he is um. And he is that he is that because he does he does say obnoxious things, but he knows what he's doing exactly. Well, yeah, well, no, he does, but his guy's getting paid eight hundred seventy five thousand. There's goalies that would die to get paid eight seventy five, even if they're not playing. Oh yeah. Sometimes it's the job of an agent to be to be an ass and to and to stick and stick out like a sore thumb. And in that case, you're right. He did what he had to do for his client because he's got two clients on that team. One is not played basically for two years, and he wants him to go someplace and play. But he, to Russ's point, he's making almost a million dollars. So shut up. Right. No. But it, we've, we, he proved last year. Walsh proved last year that it doesn't matter what he says. Right. Like because last year, you know, remember he comes out with the Jonathan Duran stuff. And that's just insane. And that goes on and on and on. Right. And, and we, we, we have to end the, we have to end the show uh, on, on that uh, hit that yeah. happened last night because um, Russ, you saw, it, you know, the, for those who didn't see Calvin DeHaan, the De- Islanders defenseman uh, hit Jonathan Duran along the boards. Yeah. I watched the video and apparently there's not going to be any kind of review from the NHL offices, but the, the excuse that the excuse that came out was, Dehan's a bigger player. Drouin's a smaller player. It wasn't. There was no intent there. Yep. But Russ, this is what I mean. It's like this is you know, it's sort of prejudice against small players. It is. It is because at the end of the day, did Dehan have to make the play that way to try and get the puck? The answer is no. the The excuse I kept hearing is, well, but Drouin's a shorter guy. Okay. But then really every hit to the head of a shorter guy is going to be the shorter guy's fault because he's short. I mean, right. so, you you know, Dahan can't leave his feet to hit him in the head because he's seven inches taller. Like there's just – you have to have common sense here, and you have to look at it and say he tried to take his head off. He did it a little bit too hard. He deserves to pay a penalty for that. Right. I – I don't, I don't know. I've always been up. I've been up around on this so many times over the years because this is this is not a new thing. But now we know more about headshots. That's the only reason I'm bringing this it's up. Not a new thing that we have little that that smaller players end up in this situation and, and that bigger. You know, I mean, I remember Lindros yeah. used to get under fall under all kinds of criticism all the time for hitting players. And yep. Scott Stevens for hitting players, and they were just you know, but they were hitting players that were smaller than them, and you know, but most of the league was smaller than them too. Right. So therefore, you know, whenever he hit somebody, it was it was a penalty or what have you. But right. um. I think that it's tough. I think it's a tough – I mean, you are prejudiced against the bigger players if you do it that way. So it's really, you know, is this prejudice against anyone? It really just has to come down. I think it has to come down to, like you said, Russ, intent and whether or not you needed to do it and whether or not it was over the, over, over the, you know, over the line. That, and, that's, and that's not to say, you know, that, that it was right I mean, or wrong. Jonathan Duran is not the strongest hockey player. Think it should have been a suspension. I, I didn't think it was. I, I thought it was. Well, he deserves a fine. Again, Drouin's not the strongest hockey player. It didn't take that to get him away from the puck. That's really all my point is. 
Oh, I don't know about that. I mean, Duran's pretty, oh, pretty happy on. with the puck. I mean, you got to – yeah, he's, he's, And it was up at the blue line. We're not even talking about this being anywhere no, near true. the net. Anywhere. That's true. But he is not easy to get off the puck. And, he's, and he also – I'm not saying he's weakling, but I'm just saying compared to a guy like DeHaan, there's other ways he can do it. And this was way up by the blue line. And if this was against the boards, DeHaan would have paid that price already. But because it wasn't against the boards mm. – then all of a sudden we're not looking at that board shaking with the guy's head and it's not as big a deal. Well, there was a pretty good um, hit by a Maple Leaf player last night too. Who the Maple Leaf guy? Um... Oh, um, well, I mean, I saw Kadri. Kadri sits on McDavid. I don't, I don't... No, no, no. I'm um, the Russian. The sh- oh, so is that Kostikov? Yeah. Kostikov, okay. Yeah, he got penalized for a pen- for a, for a, um, for a head. Oh, head. for the hit to the head. Yes, yes, yes. I, I, yeah, I mean – I mean, that was a good was that was I mean that wasn't looked at today. I don't know. I was kind of surprised it wasn't. Uh, no, I mean, it, I know there was a, a two minute minor. It didn't sound to me like it was anything of a uh, of a dangerous nature. But any hit to the head, I guess, is maybe I'm being an apologist for the Leafs. But I mean, I, I'm not sure. I I saw it and I thought it was a good call. I didn't think it was a bad call. And look, look, these days I'm gonna I'm gonna go on. Hey, if there's a hit to the head. And and there's intent there. You got to do something about it because again, you don't want your players continually taking headshots. You just don't. Yeah, you don't, you don't need it. Um, yep, that's all the time we have for today, folks. Um, I'm going to be looking into this. I want. I'm curious a little bit. I think we can download this show and then upload it to your channel. Like, I think that we're going to we're going to do that. We're going to try that at least. <laughs> um, and thanks all for for the problems. We're, we're going to try again tomorrow. I mean, at some point we're just, I'm going to try to find out what's going on with the other channel. Yeah, I do want to mention, cause I looked it up. Dahan got an interference call. Wow. Okay. So if you're going to get, and, and of course Callahan jumped in and fought him. So, but if you're going to get an interference call, it kind of proves my point. I think quick, quick prediction. We know that you don't like baseball. So I'll oh, yeah, let's talk. No, it's not, no, tonight. I mean, I'm, I like this. I mean, this is, this is, this is hard to not like, right. I mean, this is, yeah. This so what do you, who do you think? I, I think Cubs are going to win tonight. I do. Russ? I'm going with the Indians. Even though Kluber's on a day early rest, Kluber has been Koufax-like for the entire playoffs. He's, he's got the lowest ERA. I'm going Corey Kluber and the Klubernator. Yeah, I'm I'm going Cubs, and I want to I want to see video of Bill Murray probably dousing himself with a keg of beer if they're up by three or four runs in the ninth inning. Bill Murray's seventh inning stretch was the greatest. People that should was, watch that. That game. was really hilarious. That was, that was hilarious. And the fact that he gave a lifelong Cubs fan a game six ticket, just gave it to her, and she sat next to him for the game, makes him awesome. It always, well, he was always Murray. awesome anyhow. It, it, it's, a, it's a statement of how awesome he is because they were showing him taking – he flipped caps with an Indians fan in the crowd – and took a picture with the guy. And if he was like Mr. C- Mr. Cub fan and not a, and, and maybe a little bit jerkish or you know a star, he wouldn't have done that. But he was doing that. He's enjoying it. And you know, I'm I, I'm rooting for the Cubs because they haven't won since 1908. Yeah, I know, and it's all you know. It's funny. I mean, there's there's. I mean, it it's such an incredible market. You know, like I said at the beginning, somebody has to win. Yeah, someone's going to win this one, and it's it's it's. <laughs> it feels as if this at this point. It you know last night's game was the kind of game that made you wonder if you know there's something destiny fading here. I don't know. I'm not thinking that yet, but I think 
I think for this World Series only, there should be a participation trophy because it was so hard just for these two teams to get there. And you don't know if you're going to make it back. Like, I just feel bad for the fan base that's going to lose. I feel bad for them. Oh, yeah, I know. It sucks. I mean, I've, I've been to Game 7s, the Stanley Cup Finals. I mean, I was in the Vancouver one that everyone will forget. You know, it's like um, – Well, that one I enjoyed. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that was – you know, so that there's it, there's nothing worse than losing a Game 7 at home. Yeah. Um, that is the one thing I will say. Like, you know, if you leave that building tonight, if you're a Cleveland Indians fan and you do lose that game tonight, that is a really horrible feeling. Um, I mean, I was looking forward to covering a Game 7, but Tuka Rask gave up like three goals in 30 seconds or whatever it was. You were close. I know. I know. All right, guys. Remember, we'll be back tomorrow. Um, and I think, you know, it looks like our technical issues might be behind us, although we don't know yet because we haven't really stopped the show. Say that. <laughs> Knock on wood. Remember, without the buzz, it is just hockey. We will talk to you tomorrow. We will. <laughs> Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. 